Episode number 507. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. For more information or to check out other shows in the network, please visit evergreenpodcast.com. Now this week's interview is with Martin Skirp. Martin is the co-founder and chief visionary officer at the Synthesis Institute that offers safe, legal, medically supervised psychedelic retreats based out of Amsterdam, the Netherlands. As they write on their site, they make the psychedelic experience accessible for curious individuals who want to utilize moderate to high doses of truffles to catalyze creative breakthroughs, explore consciousness, find meaning, improve confidence, and search for a mystical experience. In this conversation with Martin, we discuss his journey to founding the Synthesis Institute in 2018. What has changed in our society that has brought about our crisis in mental health? The treatments they provide, the protocols they follow, and the prospects for the future. You'll find all the show notes on mentordial.com. And if you have a moment, go ahead and drop in a rating and review. And don't forget to subscribe to catch all the future episodes. Now for the show. Martin Sherp. I hope that's a reasonable way to pronounce your name. I know there's Skipol <laughs> Airport. Martin, uh, you're buzzing in from uh, Netherlands, mm-hmm. and you and I have exchanged several times. I've been trying to follow what you're up to, and I just was so excited that you accepted to come on my show to talk about what you're up to. So let's start with what I always like to ask as a first question. Who is Martin? Oh, damn. That's a, it's a trick question, isn't it? <laughs> uh, well, I, I guess, I guess it, I'm not quite sure. It seems like con- continually there's, there's more to me than I am aware of. And I keep surprising myself. So, and it's hard sometimes to distinguish what is me and what is not me. It all seems to just be this unfolding, mysterious unfolding, right? And so... You know, I bought the ticket and I'm along for the ride. Yeah, it's like the more you know, the more you know you don't know. Oh, that's that's true. And every time you think you know, then it turns out to be completely different. And you're like, oh, how could a base of foolish? And then a week later, <laughs> you have the same same trap. You you kind of you get hypnotized in a certain belief that things are a certain way and they end up being very different. And and that's, I don't know, learning how to go along with that, I think, is is uh, half the secret. Yeah, let, it's, it is a journey. And, it is. and the more dogmatically you go about it, I think the, the more likely there'll be an accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think there's just so much of the universe out there that we don't understand. And it's always inviting us to be a bit more open-minded, be, be a bit more compassionate. And uh, the moment you put things into boxes and it has to be a certain way, you get attached to that. And and that's, you know, causing all kinds of friction that is not ne- not, ne- not necessarily necessary. So, huh. yeah. Well, we have, we have a way of, of making mountains out of molehills and, and getting very fixed ideas and attaching importance to them. When at the end of the day, we all die and we go down with all these ideas and 
Whoop-de-doo. Yeah, we can't really take anything with us. And so, you know, many spiritual traditions, uh, you know, they say it quite bluntly, you're like, you're, you, uh, you borrowed this, this vehicle and you got to give it all back. And so everything that's given to you, it's, it's temporarily in your possession and but you borrowed it and and it you will have to give it up again and so and i i tried to live my life by those principles um you know everything is kind of i don't want to be all wooey and and, and kind of neo uh neo spiritual but it's in a way you could see everything in energy that is given to you and you can pass it on and, and the that's an art and you can i think uh, develop that art into a certain competency, some certain level of skill, and and I find it very enjoyable. I find it very uh, it's it's a gift to give in a way, and um, and so yeah, um, it really opens up the question of legacy. Then, like, what will be left if I'm no longer here? And then, okay, you know, it kind of ties back into the first question you asked me, like, what who am I? And then the question, okay, who was I before I was born? Mm. You know, I don't, I don't, I only have a vague recollection of that to the extent that's even possible. So, yeah, I was watching the last episode of an American series called 1883, and uh, it's soulful in many capacities, and specifically because it also includes elements of the Native American culture. Mm. who have such a different view on death and nature and ancestors mm-hmm. and um and and the without doing any reveal of the plot but this one girl um dies and 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 she says it's so funny we get so worried about who's going to remember me but i'm not even going to be around to know if anyone remembered so why am i worried about that mm-hmm Mm. Yeah, um, I, I like a lot of these um, non-Western views on ancestry and, and um, because in, in some of my ayahuasca visions, I, I, I saw to what extent my ancestors were still living inside of me mm-hmm. and, and being able to connect with that and listen to that and, and understanding that my ancestors, even though I don't know the names of my great, great, great parents or my great parents, even, you know, they'd probably be annoyed <laughs> at that. Like my grandkids don't even know our names, but I'm sure they wish a beautiful future for us. And, you know, and, and whatever um, genetic, karmic, ling- linguistic traces are, are left, they're still resonating and, and living their lives uh, through us. And so, um, and that comes back again to the question of legacy, like who, what are the elements that I live my life by that are worth preserving? And what are the things that I've inherited that are no longer, you know, um, true to form or, or welcome or, um, yeah, helpful, skillful in, in our current, our current world. And, and, um, my wife and I were, we're trying to get pregnant. And so we want to start a family if everything, you know, everything comes together. And, and so I think about that, like, what is, you know, I think every parent or future parent, uh, or anyone who 
you know, any entrepreneur, it's, it's uh, anyone who leave, wants to leave something behind or wants to make a mark on the world, um, I think on some level tries to ask themselves that question, right? Um, what my expression, what do I want to leave behind as a, as a writer? I'm sure you're, you think about that from that perspective quite often. Uh, how will this impact others and how will this, you know, diffuse to, to our realities? Um, yeah, and I think it's a worthwhile question for sure. I'm, I'm loving where this is going, Martin, in, in that I've, I've written a biography about my grandfather. Mm. And uh, so I interviewed 130 veterans of the Second World War. Mm. And mm. Uh, so that was a conduit into my quote-unquote ancestry, knowing that he died when he was 33 in 1945. And, and so I never knew him. And I think rationally, uh, anyone should be able to imagine that genetically, his semen in the egg uh, carries with him everything up until the point of insemination. Then the question of the epigenetic elements that mm -hmm. impacted him after that feels a little bit more woo-woo in terms of imagining his life as a prisoner of war, the suffering that he went through, the thoughts that he went through before his death. They obviously impacted his body, his life, but that coding didn't happen at the moment of the birth. Mm -hmm. So there it's a little bit more of a mystical transition Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of depends on what you believe matter and energy is, right? And um, things are connected in a spooky manner that we don't fully understand. So that that's that's one level. That's kind of the mystical level. And I think another on another level, you just knowing that, you know, and having a similar genetic imprint. That even knowing that that. Um, to, to the extent that's, you know, not, maybe not even conscious impacts um, might leave a residue, might leave a, you know, what the, uh, the Buddhists call a karmic trace. Mm. And um, for, for me, like one, in one of my ayahuasca visions, one of my very early uh, experiences, um, my, my grandfather um, on my father's side was also deeply, deeply impacted by the war because um, he lost both his parents. And so he was, he was, um, he was growing up in a, in a East German orphanage. And, um, and so the way he um, raised my dad and the way my dad raised him um, was full of, um, I know, like unspoken kind of slash taboo this is how the world is. This is who we are. This is how we have to be to survive. And that's just the I, way it is. That's just the way it is. And so, uh, and, and, and we, all of us have these um, limited perceptions of who we are. And they're very necessary. They're kind of like tools, they're personas, they're, they're, they, they, they get us by, right? They help us to get through the day, to get food on the table, to, to get the basics uh, of our existence, um, but they're not necessarily true. And they, they can be um, 
incredibly limiting or, or keep us stuck or, or be, uh, you know, dysfunctional, pathological in some level. Um, and so for me, I was, for example, very disconnected from my emotions simply because, uh, you know, in our, in our household, we did not talk about emotions and they did not, so to speak, exist, even though they ruled a lot of the, 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 the day to day. And so, and I, I wasn't aware of that to, to no, you know, to almost no degree. And then all of that came rushing back and in, in realizing like, oh, wow, the way the people um, raised the orphans in that time was how I saw the world. And, you know, causing all kinds of genetic expressions and relationships and preferences and you know, our consciousness is like, it's not that we see the world objectively, we constantly put, put things in perspective and, and, and most of our brain is, is trying to filter out things and trying to simplify our models and our models just approximations. And so one of the things that psychedelics do, they, they, they suddenly just break all those models down and suddenly you get this, this huge rush of bottom-up information that is, is less filtered or maybe unfiltered, you know, depending on your interpretation. And then suddenly you realize, holy shit, there's all of this out there that I just didn't see because it was constantly filtered out because it was not seen as immediately um, necessary for our survival or slash procreation. And, and realizing, holy shit, I have this range of emotions and, and I have this deep ancestry and I have this capacity for mystical visions and what to do with all of that, right? And um and i think that's kind of i know i'm seeing this huge trend in people trying to get a um uh, one of my buddhist teachers said um the taste of the chocolate it's like that the, we have such a richness in material wealth these days um and we 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 have those basic needs met and yet sometimes or often there's still this sense of lack. There's still this, like, is this it? And if I'm not my role, if I'm not my career, if I'm not this, um, not just, I cannot be limited to all the, any of these uh, personas, these masks, then what else is there? And, and so there's been this increased rise in um, wanting to experience that, I think, through meditation, yoga, psychedelics, um, and all kinds of uh, interesting, creative, sy synergistic practices that have been, are being combined all over the world. So it's uh, it's uh, it's fascinating. It's a uh, it's a great time to be alive. I think on that front, having access to all these wisdom traditions and all these insights, and being able to compare and notes and kind of get a kind of a glimpse of what what's what's truly in the human potential at the core of our being and. That, that's that's what interests me and it excites me for sure well in listening to you martin i i i hear myself in, in this mm. these types of commentaries and first of all this idea of what's not said in the family mm -hmm. i think that still goes on in different ways and yet we've sort of opened up the pandora's box of allowing everybody to feel more Mm-hmm. And and I'm not sure that we're we're not missing having a little bit more structure. Mm 
So mm -hmm. on the one hand, I'm totally in favor of the rewiring that happens through psychedelics, the op opening up to the littleness of ourselves, the bigness of, of, of our universe and, and, and a uh, different understanding of consciousness. On the other hand, for some people, that's extremely worrisome because they have to let go of control. Mm -hmm. and, and perhaps it's for them the most pertinent, but also the most risky at some level, because it can go, I, I'm not talking about the trip itself, but life becomes more complicated when it's not all that simple. Well, it used to be simple. I got up, went to work at nine o'clock. I knew how to do my job. I come back home. I go to work out. Mm -hmm. I go to have lunch or dinner and then go to bed. And and that seems simple. I had it coded down to something that I understood. Mm -hmm. But you're now I'm thinking, well, why the hell am I making widgets? Uh, did I marry the right person? Am I happy with my friends? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Um... It is like you said, Pandora's box, and you um, won't be able to close it very well. And that, that's why Carl Jung, the the eminent uh, psychologist, transpersonal psychologist, um, when he spoke in his letters to friends, talking about masculine, which, which was um, more known during that time, one of the classical psychedelics, uh, found in peyote and and San Pedro uh, cactus, um, cacti, I have to say. Um, he said, be careful of wisdom you have not earned. And, and wisdom in the sense of being able to see something you can't unsee. And, and so I think with psychedelics, that it should come with a strong uh, warning label because the power of psychedelics to dissolve uh, what we believe is true opens up this huge therapeutic potential, especially in the range of um, difficulties and suffering that we experience where we're too stuck, we're too patterned in a way, and that's, and that's causing the suffering. But the same power has also the capacity to dissolve all of our defense mechanisms and coping strategies. And some people think, okay, that's great, yippee. But it's, yes, for some, perhaps, but it's all, we have them for a reason. And it is one of the more common integration um, difficulties that people experience. We, we just had a research paper coming out uh, based on, on um, participants from, from our retreats at Synthesis, um, basically saying like, the ontological shock factor where you suddenly don't know what reality is, who you are, what, what are your heuristics to navigate? What is, what is real? And, and that's, you know, it's, it's not only scary, but it, it can be very confusing. It can be disorienting. Um, it, it's rich and rich of potential, but it also can re lead to this spiritual emergence where, or emergency where it's like god i don't even know what the meaning is of all this and so the capacity for sense making and the will so this one of the principles we had heard by is um like the container is the medicine 
it's not just the, the psychedelic that you use. The psychedelic is 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 a catalyst and it dissolves all these things. And you, you, you can see them in fireworks, and you have these mystical insights or even hellish realms at times, and that can be super revealing and even the most challenging shadow. Ex- shadow yeah, the parts to you that uh, you just uh, almost are inherently unable to integrate because they're so deep their their our capacity to harm our capacity to to um deceive ourselves and delude ourselves and to be greedy be selfish and all these things and be limited and there's you know how crafty we can be and and that can be super liberating realizing but it's without that container um those energies can you know um uh, escalate they can uh lead their own lives and and uh, you can become possessed and you know that um meaning you can start believing things that are even worse than before and and so there are all kinds of you know uh modern interpretations of this is why well, this vision and now this life is like this and now i have to listen to this this new principle but the principle doesn't fit or it's not true and um and so yeah, so one of the um, one of the things we've been reflecting on, okay, what are the kind of the essential personal and interpersonal skill sets that people need to learn in order to to go on this journey safely and skillfully? And then then you have to think about shadow work, like you mentioned, but also um, our understanding of trauma, intergenerational, transgenerational trauma, how to talk about that, how to build self compassion, so. You know, you, you don't get kicked over <laughs> if if some something comes up for you. Um, and there's a range of, of skill sets that I did not learn when I grew up in in our culture because um, you know we were completely cut off from all the kind of wisdom traditions that normally espouse these type of virtues. And um, but it, yeah, it's I think the struggle that we are going to as a collective as well is like okay. If materialism is only somewhat true, and there are gaps in that world belief, and and it's not about the accumulation of material good, um, then how do we look like? How do we reorient ourselves so we get less attached to that because it does give us a lot of comfort, but it can run a mock, right? It's it's completely uh, obscene how some people get that that greed, and it's like it's never enough. And so, how do we become more mature as a as a culture, as a species? How can as leaders, how can we become aware of those gaps within our own consciousness, you know, in shadow, and start leading from a more a deeper understanding of our interconnectedness? I'd say. I'll pause there for for a moment. Yeah. Really well. I, we're certainly going to get into synesthesia in a moment, but um, just to close on this more philosophical part is. The idea that in today's society, we have the materialism, I would posit, and it's going to be something I'm going to write a lot more about, that we've got this position in large part because we have created a fantasy world, or at least a a, a much more distant image of ourselves than who we really are. And so that gap, which we have now, we can sort of, exaggerate through our presence online 
to show ourselves <laughs> has created a dysphoria of our personality and and I, I, I wager that, uh, well, certainly what you're doing is is helping us to come back to kind of a reality, whatever that reality is. Um, and yet, uh, there, there, there are some things which we need to know how to face without bowing to all of the good thinking that it is because we all have shadows we all have imperfections pain and death is part of our life mm -hmm. and rather than run away from it and then present this pristine if not perfect image of ourselves that we tend to want to live to with the big houses and the materialism that comes with it come back down to this other element of us and then we have these conflicting ideas you know don't sweat the small stuff and do go big or, but the little things are so human, you know, the little look, the, the, the wink, the touch, these little things are, are so important. And so mm -hmm. I, I, I feel like so many people are confused and would benefit from a better understanding of themselves through an ayahuasca or psilocybin or, or any mm -hmm. of these other types. Is that, because you talked about the taste of chocolate. I mm -hmm. think that's a a version of an experience, but it's still more in the feeling area as opposed to knowing who I am area. Right. Um, well, with tasting the chocolate, I think getting a taste of ourselves as like the infinite radiance and the the bliss of realizing who we are, even though we might not be able to pinpoint it exactly with words or capture it. There's this unfolding that happens and and it's 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 deeply mysterious and it's full of these little moments, like you said. And there's something going on that's almost dreamlike that um, it's a type of consciousness, it's a type of valid consciousness that you can, um, skillfully navigate the world through that type of consciousness um it's definitely not easy because you can also get you know swept up in that those delusions but you can integrate that and, and life becomes at least in my experience uh, a lot more playful a lot more loving a lot more um easy even in the most difficult of times there is this natural joy that you can tap into and and that's kind of the opposite of trying to appear perfect. It's not trying to be joyful when there are little cracks. No, it's actually to connect deeply with your pain and suffering and realize that that's all the, the symphony of reality, like playing through you as an instrument. And I think that's what psychedelics can do because um, it can wipe away um these really deep-seated beliefs of who we are and and allow us to to kind of look at ourselves in the world with new eyes and especially the sensitivity towards nature towards each other towards um things that really make us tick like things that are the core meaningful and i'm talking about our relationships our passions 
and that often get like a, a backseat because they don't necessarily immediately seem to pro to provide um you know status importance safety but at the core actually they do they're way more important and if you if you if you're incongruent between the two suffering is guaranteed of that i'm i'm quite certain The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain -brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Yes, it's like our mutual friend uh, Jamie Wheel talks about the crisis of meaning. Right, that gap where which we have. All right, so let's get into what you're up to because you very modestly uh, described yourself, but you're also uh, an entrepreneur. You've founded several companies, including High Existence, and now you're the co-founder and chief visionary officer of the Synthesis Institute, which is based mm -hmm. in the Netherlands, which, as I understand it, provides psychedelic-assisted therapy under a uh, very strict protocol with very serious uh, people in your organization, and which is really why I wanted to have you on. Uh, there are others trying to do this, I think, in different ways. So describe uh, the synthesis uh, expansion retreat, at least what your business is up to, how mm -hmm. many people work for you. Give us, some, give us some understanding of the synthesis business. Yeah, thank you for the um, opportunity. Um, so... Just one small correction, just to start out with, we don't offer therapy, um, even though we work with a lot of different therapists. Um, currently, psilocybin is not a registered medicine. And so um, we offer uh, psychedelic journeys, experiences, the container, if you will, um, um, informed by therapeutic principles and not, but not, not necessarily limited to those principles, um, in a kind of safe and professional manner. And so one of our main programs is called indeed expansion, which is basically an allusion to, uh, um, this idea that we are a lot more beyond our limits and we can taste the chocolate if we prepare ourselves and we are supported by professionals that have experience and, and um, can provide the kind of the safety and the structure for you to fully let go and surrender or allow yourself to, to um, yeah, relax the, the, the parts of ourselves that, um, on a subconscious level, we feel or deeply believe we need to always ha have with us to be vigilant, and otherwise we get hurt or we, we and um, that can be uh, trauma, that can be um, uh, other aspects of um, you know our personality, our our career choices, uh, our identity, our language, our you know, the color of our skin, there, there are many ways we, we do this. Um, and, and so we provide kind of this world journey for people to experience that 
openness that that um yeah that journey into our unconscious that is much vaster and uh and uh, then we i think we ordinarily experience you know if you, some people are more maybe gifted in dream work and they they're very rich and they remember all of that or they might become lucid in those you know that that's they might have a better taste of it but often if we if we're, we're so focused on materiality um that drives our consciousness and that you know that has a certain flavor to it versus you know people and cultures that don't have that and it's dependent on our you know many factors but and conditions but so that's um that's what we do with expansion in our retreats and then um we also train uh psychedelic practitioners in a 13-month program um and then part of that if you want to you can also experience the the meeting the mushroom directly and and get practicum hours as well and um and then recently we've been expanding towards the us and so we we have a retreat center there in oregon where they um just moved ahead with legalization it's not open yet we're we're applying for a license uh service center application soon um but our training is approved right now and so that is very exciting. I did not expect when we started synthesis, I did not expect the US to open up as well. And uh, Colorado is, is right behind them. And so there seems to be this, um, yeah, this, this counter movement, there's this strong movement over the last decade or so of the medicalization of psychedelics, um, seeing it as a, as a, a therapeutic tool for therapists to use uh, for um, uh, all kinds of conditions, mostly conditions where people feel stuck and they, they do this uh, patterning that's not helpful. But as Michael Pollan in his book, uh, How to Change Your Mind also argues- Great for, book. Great book, highly recommended. Um, it's also for the betterment of well people. And, and so what we see is, um, so we don't, we don't, um, you know, we're not ready to, uh, to offer therapeutic containers, but in our research with Imperial College in London, um, you know, people report on average significant reductions in anxiety, in stress, in depression, in um, something called experiential avoidance, which actually causes a lot of difficulties because it it feeds addiction or or. Uh, you know, avoiding the difficult conversation or the work that you have to do, or you know, the the those aspects of 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 you know, our feeling, our sense system that that we get stuck in, and often that's that's determined by avoidance or um, or strong desires. And so, yeah, that's kind of what we do. We've been uh, operational for slightly over or almost five years now. So. It's, Fantastic! It's been, it's been quite a ride, yeah. So, uh, so thank you for correcting me. The psilocybin is is not permitted in Netherlands. I was listening to some news outlet saying that in Canada, there's a they have a province that's essentially legalizing all let's call them hard drugs, including mm -hmm. heroin, uh, or at least to have it on you under a certain I think two and a half grams. Um, and assuming that obviously would include all the psychedelics. 
so you do feel that there is a, a liberalizing of this concept and and mm-hmm. in, under the medical capacity john johns hopkins and and others studying all the ways it can help with these different pathologies in the netherlands you're you're not medical therapist or anything like that you you provide this experience in oregon and colorado do you think there will be more room for therapeutic work on pathologies yes. or is it going to be mm-hmm. more like your experience in netherlands so there are different movements so there's the medicalization that, that we talked about then there's the, the decriminalization which basically um takes it take the use of drugs and mind expansion or mind exploration as um, uh, perhaps a moral issue on some level, but not a criminal issue anymore. The same that I've done with um, Portugal, and they've seen amazing results with that. The same as uh, the Netherlands has a very liberal historical um, uh, stance with that as well. Um, if you treat um, drug users that are abusing drugs or they're, they're struggling with their use as a mental health problem versus a criminal problem, you get way better results. Um, and so many states and cities and counties in the US have moved the decrim bills. And then on top of that, you have in Colorado uh, following Oregon, actually legalization efforts. And that allows it to move outside especially the psychedelics outside of the um realm of just personal duties you can actually create organizations and you can build structure and you can maybe get reimbursements and insurance and um and so you can have a thriving kind of ecosystem evolve and and then the question becomes okay how how do we educate the general public so uh, from a harm reduction perspective how do we develop like in-depth screening because people are very complex and how can we make sure that um, those who are not ready uh, can be can make an informed choice um, and this is, this is one of the deeper philosophical questions again which is how can you consent to something that fundamentally changes you because the person you'll be after cannot consent to that because you don't know who you'll be right if some of these fundamental ideas and, and identifications that we have about ourselves dissolve, then who did the consenting? Um, Pre so me or post me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and so in Oregon, it's um, the psilocybin cubensis mushroom that is legalized. Um, in Colorado, they will move forward with also the other natural psychedelics like iboga, ayahuasca, um, San Pedro and a few others. Um, and yeah, um, it's it's uh, it's actually interesting. I don't know when this podcast comes out, but we have a um, we have a conference in in uh, it's the first now, is it yeah, so in two weeks or in, on the 17th, called the Fundamentals of Psychedelics. And one of our speakers, uh, Dr. Tony Back, he's a physician and Zen, Zen practitioner for, for a few decades. And you know, he sees the medical system is, 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 in the US specifically, it's quite broken, especially when it comes to mental health, it's, it's, it's rising. And, um, and so how do we meet the moment with compassion, uh, even though we as, as a culture maybe are not fully understanding what these things are. We might not have all the skill sets. We might not have the competent, fundamental competence 
And yet there's this huge need of suffering that could be addressed, eating disorders, depression, anxiety, uh, abuse, um, you know, all kinds of trauma. Um, and so that's kind of like, how can we build these containers quickly with at least enough safety so we can kind of figure out what the hell is going on here? And uh, of course, borrowing and leaning on and in communication with all kinds of contemplative wisdom traditions, either shamanistic or, or Buddhist informed or, or Christian mysticism or other frameworks that can help people kind of scaffold the meaning and the structure, the, the life after this. And there are pathways, there, there are, you know, there's enough um, wisdom we've collected over many generations that can be informative. Uh, we just need to um, maybe translate that for the modern mind. Mm, so much in there, Martin. Um, so first observation, which didn't talk about, but I think is is something that is unfortunate in this domain. Obviously, there's the decriminalization and the moral aspects. And there's also a holding of a higher standard than other drugs that are created by pharmaceutical companies to to look at psychedelics i mean for someone as i have who has had many experiences you know the first thing people say oh didn't you hear about the guy who jumped off a cliff or <laughs> you know and, and you know that's one out of a million but that's mm -hmm. the story that gets told i mean i'm, I'm i don't mean to belittle that by any means mm -hmm. but as a, you know, and the, and the rates of improvement in and, and lasting improvement against addiction or um, you know, post-traumatic um, disorder are so high compared to the absolute numbskullery of the types of reports and tests that pharmaceuticals are doing. And it brings up for me a singular point, which I want to circle back with what you were talking about, which is making well people better. Because in the end of the day, if the as the dsm allows there are so many more pathologies it's a way of running away from myself in my opinion because i can label my thing which let's call it shit in life and therefore distance myself remove responsibility from the issue because oh it's this thing i have in the dsm which allows for a pharmaceutical or a prescription and a way to treat it. Whereas if we thought of most of our, you know, let's say uh, you know, you grieve someone or you're feeling sad about not failing at an exam or losing a football match for God's sake, you know, whatever. Well, inshallah, that is what it is about is dealing with the the journey is dealing with the change and the challenge and the pain and then the fact that we die and and the fact that you're sad about that well that's part of let's say the integrations of that in life and so mm -hmm. if we if we removed it from pathologies and we thought more about well this is just what life's about so this is well people that are sad these are well people that have had a challenge or have lost somebody as opposed to the other way around, where we tend to labelize and then medicate against. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and not, not to belittle, like pharmaceuticals help a subset of people and, sure. and, and, and those who find benefit, that's great. But then there's this huge range of 
folks who um, get it. Like I've I've talked to many clients uh, back in the day. So I, I don't I don't have that direct connection uh, since my roles have changed over the years. But there were many people, predominantly from the U.S., who shared, for example. Um, you know, I, I lost my mom and then I lost my job and I had to find a new job because I didn't, have, you know, I didn't, have, because my job was tied to health insurance. And so um, I was prescribed SSRIs and then a, an anti-anxiety for sleep. And then on top, you know, to manage the symptoms of this and that. And so then addiction, and then it's like super over medicated and, 10 years later, it's like, what, what am I doing? And so, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a huge array of critical literature on, on um, the medicalization or the, the idea of being sane and normal. It, it's, it's, uh, it has this deep normative function where it's, uh, where it's like, okay, there's this range that is acceptable. And, you know, you have to get an education, you have to be a good employee and a good citizen of the state. And anything outside of that, there's only very limited kind of tolerated subversive containers or niches where you allow. But if you go outside of that, um, you know, the, the state will will justify its exclusivity and power to drug you, to lock you up, to- Big brother will be watching and Soma, here we come. Certainly, certainly. And so that, that psychedelics fit in that category for 50, for 50, 60 years. Even researching it was career suicide. And that's kind of the only, like they, they, they researched the atomic bomb, you know, but LSD, was illegal, which is one of the most extreme um, forces of state intervention in the domain of human knowledge seeking. Um, uh, and so it's, it's, it's um, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a power in, in, in conscious exploration and which you know the church knew very well. There were all kinds of different mystical sects over the years that totally cut the cookie on. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, so yeah, um, and then of course you have the the classical argument. Um, you know, alcohol, for example, just to name one, nicotine. The amount of just completely normalized casualties that happen um nobody bats an eye and that impacts our children and our children like our our grandchildren like they, they start drinking from a very young age and the impact of that is is horrendous and so in comparison you know um uh, in, in your country dr david nutt famously got got the boot because he said MDMA is safer than riding a horse, which statistically is true, you know? And so why do we accept certain uh, activities and condone it? And, and the reason for that is, um, you know, part of it is just, you know, our historical conditions, but part of that is also the subversive nature. And we can look at the, you know, the 60s and 70s in the US, 
of a culture that it was deeply traumatized by this upswelling of, of this uh, um, openness to different cultures and this resistance to how things were and this questioning of the values of our society. And, you know, it gave birth to um, conservative movement, the eco ecological perspectives to women empowerment, anti-war, uh, anti-racism, um, egalitarianism and and so it was super rich you know in that time and that got squashed like insanely with the 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 power of the state if you will and um you know we're now 50 60 years further down the road and one could argue that the wall psychedelic current movement is sterilized of that subversive undercurrent because now it has to be, you have to be screened and have to be in a medical office and, it, you know, and um, don't forget and the so, tax man. Don't forget the tax man. Yeah. Like the difficulty of doing this work, like the, like one of the often perspectives we're getting, like, since this is so expensive and like, yeah, I agree. It, it is way too expensive, but all these um, costs that we have to incur in order to, do something that doesn't fit any legal category or, or, uh, you know, banks don't want to work with us. It's all these difficulties. And, and basically all we do is allowing people to explore their minds with a mushroom, you know, we're primates being curious and it helps us. It heals us. It connects us. And if, if not, you know, there are some risks, but everything has risk and we can easily mitigate them. Going out your door and taking a taxi has risks. Mm -hmm. You know, you might get run over on the way. You might get eaten, bitten by a, a mosquito that gives you some kind of illness. And then the taxi might have an accident. And my gum, life is full of risks, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. So um, I, we need to wind up because time is a thing, dogma of time. I love the expiration of time and the mind and expansion. However, we need to close down here. And I want people to know how they can uh, and how much it costs right now with what you're offering at Synthesis um, so that people can maybe look up and, and, mm -hmm. and do a psychedelic uh, retreat um mm -hmm. I, I call it a, a journey uh that opens the the wonderful world um so what's the best way to follow you read what you write your research and figure mm -hmm. out more about synthesis yeah so the best way to keep track of what we do is just going to either synthesisretreat.com or synthesisinstitute.com and sign up for the newsletter um, we have, I don't know when, it, like I said, like I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but the 17th of February, if you want to have a small taste of what we do, it's going to be a very special uh, non-conference conference uh, where we go deeply into some of these um, somatic and contemplative practices and viewpoints that I think in itself, that container is psychedelic and won't leave you untouched. Um, but otherwise, that will be on demand and... We have retreats in the Netherlands. They're about 6,000 uh, euros. Um, and then we also have the next cohort of our training, uh, both in US and Europe, opening up in uh, March. And yeah, if you're a practitioner and you are or a coach or anyone who either wants to become a psychedelic facilitator, work with psychedelics, or understands the value of a psychonautic approach to 
whatever you're doing as a professional, um, that is a very fruitful exploration to go deep inside and explore all these uh, these potentials that we have. Thank you, Martin. Uh, that was, I'll put all those in the show notes. This will actually be going out just a couple of days after your event, but I'm going to make sure that we get the on-demand uh, ability to check it out, what's happening. And I hope to have a chance to visit, maybe even uh, do a retreat. Thanks very much, Martin. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Minter. Thanks for having listened to this episode of the Minter Dialogue podcast. If you like the show and would like to support me, please consider a donation on patreon.com forward slash interdial. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast service. And as ever, rating and reviews are the real currency for podcasts. You'll find the show notes with over 2,000 and more blog posts on interdial.com. Check out my documentary film and four books, including my last one, You Lead, How Being Yourself Makes You a Better Leader. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man. I like the feel of a stranger tucked around me, precipitating the danger.
Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.